The Beat Church, bringing you messages of inspiration, hope, and freedom. Turn up the volume and get ready for the truth that will set you free. So today is going to be really fun. Um, I got two stools, uh, two stools up here because uh, I've never had a chance to do this before, uh, but I get to share with my dad today. And so uh, we're going to share. Uh, Bob Elliott, if you want to come up and join us, uh, this is my dad, and uh, he has, uh, here, I'll help you get this way up. He, he is a constant injury. He fell off of a, like, 700-foot ladder. A couple of months ago, had to get a new knee, had to get a rod put in his wrist, had his nose broken, all that stuff, because he won't quit climbing trees and trimming trees and landscaping and doing stuff. Got his knee replaced, and then he just went out fishing um, and tried to climb down a ravine um, with a bad knee, and so he blew the other knee out, so he's actually scheduled for a surgery on his other knee coming up soon. Um, so he is a, a constant doer, but that's not what we're here to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about divine appointments. And who knows what a divine appointment is? Just raise your hand if you know what that is. Okay, so a divine appointment, I'll give a little definition so you know where we're going, is just the belief that God can actually use you individually in your own life in order to touch someone else's life and be him for them. Not that you are God, right, but to operate as his ambassador, to actually be the one to speak to them, to talk to them, to encourage them, to love on them. And to do that on his behalf, Jesus said this. He said, as the Father sent me in the world, so I send you. And that's what a divine appointment is. It's Jesus sending you to the person that maybe you see at the grocery store or your neighbor or someone and having that conversation, which can be difficult for some of us to do. Uh, My dad's very gifted at that. Uh, That's just a gift that God's given him. And he also works at it because even if you have a gift, you got to work at things. So... I brought him up here, and we're going to do a kind of interview style. We're going to talk and go back and forth and have conversation and uh, do that. And then at the end of this, uh, he actually wrote a book called Divine Appointments, One Man's Journey, and we have enough of those to give out to everybody. And so you guys will get one of those, and each chapter is just a story of a different divine appointment. I'm talking to somebody, so it's not like one long story. It's all short chapters. Um, And so we're going to pass those out. And just believe that God can use us. So open your heart today, not just to the message, but to the idea that maybe God wants to talk to me and help me get stirred up and equipped to be able to have a divine appointment of my own and love on and talk to and care for somebody. Amen? We can do that? All right, Bob. My grandma said today, she says, I hope you like that picture because I posted a picture of me and my dad having coffee. She said, I hope you like that picture because that's you in a few years. And I said, no, I can't grow a beard, so it ain't going to be me. My grandpa, though, looks like that without a beard because he couldn't grow a beard. So I said, I would look like my grandpa instead, but uh, we're getting close. Uh, so let's talk divine appointments. Uh, do you have to be a, a super extrovert first? I mean, you have to be born that way, and it's just super easy and uh, no problem just to go out there and talk to people about God. Because I can tell you right now, uh, 80% of this room is already checking out because they're like, I don't do that. Um. You know, the word given to me by my wife was intentional. And I guess what to me that means is that, you know, I always look at what Jesus did for us and how he gave his life for us, that we would have life. 
And so I keep that as kind of the, the roadmap for me. And so I'm, you know, I, I think a lot of it is too that I, I, I love to talk to people and I love people anyway. I mean, from natural, that's the way the Lord made me. But that doesn't mean it's easy all the time. And that doesn't mean that I want to all the time because we fight with our flesh. And our flesh sometimes doesn't want to do that. So when I say intentional, I purposely try to remind myself and ask the Holy Spirit to speak through me. So a lot of it is reading scripture and I, I study on scripture of the Holy Spirit leading us. So I'm looking up those scriptures all the time and reminding myself. Um, typically when I go out in a day, there's a lot of days when I'm not focused on talking to people. Um, I'm more focused on going fishing or doing other stuff. Um, and sometimes I have to ask the Lord in the mornings, I'll say, Lord, will you help me? It's been three or four days since I've talked to anybody. And so I'm constantly keeping that in mind and constantly trying to remember what the Lord did for us. If we really focus on what Jesus did for us, um, that really drives us to help other people and to talk to other people. And a lot of times with life, we get caught up with everything else. And um, so I think you have to purposely want to do that. And then you have to, you're not always going to be successful when you're talking to people. There's rejection. Um, and there's times, uh, one of the things that, that really helps me through the prayer time and ask the Lord to guide me in that is that uh, listening to the Holy Spirit. Um, we have a great... Um, thing that we can use with the Holy Spirit, there'd be times when I might want to talk to somebody and I might want to tell them a story or share Jesus to them and the Holy Spirit will actually say, not right now. And I'm listening to the Holy Spirit as I'm talking to new people. And not right now, talk to them about something else. What's their interest? Uh, what do they like to do? You know, things like that and get them to open up and become a friend and love on them that way and then maybe like recently, I had that happen, and the next, very next week, the same person came back, and the Lord said, tell them a story today. Tell them this story. Because the Holy Spirit knows when that person is ready or, you know, guides us, you know, and shows us. So you're saying have some patience. Have, have some patience. patience. You're not trying to convert somebody. You're trying to love somebody. All you're doing is trying to love on them. Trying to love them for Jesus. Love them for Jesus. I'm going to put a couple of verses up on the screen here, and this is really where we're having this conversation out of biblically. Um, there's a few verses, and this one is um, my sheep. This is out of John chapter 10. It says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Mm -hmm. So God actually wants us to be able to hear him and then to follow his, mm -hmm. his instruction and his direction to touch people in order to actually be able to reach somebody and love on them and care for them and help them out. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. That's in Proverbs. And we a lot of times apply that. This is not a rebuke, but just listen to this. This is culture. We apply that selfishly, right? I'm planning my way and what I'm going to accomplish and what I'm going to do. I'm planning it, but then the Lord's going to direct my steps to make it even better. But Jesus came not to be served, but to serve, right? And to lay his life down. So really, I mean, a, a biblical godly context of this is I plan my way, which probably typically has a lot more to do with my own life, right? But then the Lord directs my steps and says, hey, it's not about you today. Let's do this and let's care for this person and slow down. Uh, one of those things you said, you know, you try to always be aware and you're trying to put yourself in that position. Lord, show me an opportunity. 
Um, how many of you guys have had a car problem in the last, uh, maybe last month or so? Anybody had a car problem? Uh, so I get car problems. Uh, we have uh, like half a million people living in our house, uh, plus people that don't live in our house that still uh, call me their dad, even though they're adults. Um, I don't know. I thought that ended, but it hasn't. And so we have lots of car problems. And so when I see a check engine light on the dash, I go through two things. One is a, a deep desire to just pull over and get out and walk away. Um, two is a short-term, five-second delusion that maybe I can fix it. And then three is to call and um, have Justin come fix it and take care of my car. But that's what I do. So it just happens all the time. And then pretty soon I'm like, I have no money left. My car ate my money. So my dad had this happen, and uh, his car light came on. And that's not a divine appointment. How many of you have ever seen a car light turn into a divine appointment? It's, that's not a divine appointment. That's a divine disappointment. And, uh, and yet here uh, he has. So tell us your story about your check engine light coming on and uh, how that turned out to be something that God could use and how you're able to listen to that. I was uh, getting ready to go to a uh, golf tournament in San Diego. And I know the people at Chrysler in Beaverton, Oregon. And I uh, had pulled into Starbucks and got a coffee and getting the car ready and, and uh, had this trip to go on. And when I started the car, the car up, the check engine light came on. Oh, oh no, you know, not now. Um, we're getting ready to make this car trip. And uh, so I called Chrysler in Beaverton and told them what was going on, told them I was leaving on Thursday for San Diego, and wife and I were driving down there. And uh, they said, well, Bob will take care of it, because I know them, they know me. And I said, we'll get you all fixed up, we'll see you uh, Thursday morning, and that's when they could get me in. Well, I hung the phone up about five minutes. I was just getting ready to leave, finishing up some stuff, and my phone rang, and a gal said, is this the service department of Chrysler? And I said, huh, no, no, no. I said, I'm just the person that called there. I'm a, client. I'm a customer. And she apologized to me and hung up the phone, and then five, ten minutes later, she calls again. And she says, is this the service department of Chrysler? And I said, no, no, I'm just a regular guy. Well, this went on for probably 30 minutes or longer. About the fifth call, she was getting so upset. The fifth call, she called me, and she said, not you again. And I, I said, hey, I said, uh, something's going on here. I said, do you like to hear stories? And she said, stories about what? And I said, stories about the Lord and his grace and how he loves us, loves us. And she said, well, I, I guess I owe it to you for calling you so many times. And so anyway, I told her a story, and she said, will you tell me one more? And I could kind of hear her tearing up. And uh, so I told her another one, and she said, this is so really, really weird. She says, my senior mom's been asking me to go to church with her. And she said, a funny thing happened the other day. She said, I'm a high-tech salesperson, and I travel a lot. And she was at a dime store and picked up a little scripture. And she's been reading it, but she never does that. I said, well, God's speaking through you. I said, he's speaking through you through your mom. And then when you called me, this is what we call a divine appointment. It's when God leads us to different things and to help us. And uh, so anyway, I talked to her a little bit more, and she, start, she started crying on the, started crying. I could tell she was crying, and 
she kept saying, wow, this is so weird. And so I started to hang up and the Lord spoke to me and said, today's the day of salvation. And so I asked her, I said, can I pray with you? I said, how would you like to know your name's written in God's Lamb Book of Life? And she said, I don't know how, but I really want to. So I prayed with her and she gave her heart to the Lord. And we said our goodbyes. And boy, she was excited. And man, I was really excited. And I hung up the phone and the Lord spoke to me. And I was looking at the light because then I went back to, oh no. You know, I got to get this thing fixed. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, it was I that turned the light on. And he said, if the light wouldn't have came on, you wouldn't have had this appointment. And, she, and this, this is what I set up for you to do. And uh, I drove out of the parking lot and I was thinking, but Lord, I got to get this light fixed. The light went off. I never took it to Chrysler, went to San Diego and sold the car two years later. The light never came back on. And I thought, wow, Lord. Well, those are the kind of things when you step outside the box with the Lord. That's how he teaches us to not see the problem. But then we can start looking at the problem being something that we can turn into a positive for him. And we have to look outside that. Yeah, I think, you know, for all of us that that, you know, the Bible says that he works all things together for our good, right? For those that love him and are called according to his purpose. And we can, if we actually believe that and actually start living like we believe that, then when something bad comes, it's really, we can, instead of going, oh my gosh, we can slow down for a second and go, oh, this is the start of what? Something good. Because if he works all things together for our good, right? You say, oh, this is bad. Oh, this starts something good. And I'm just as I'm saying that, I'm seeing Alicia Tompkins out here. And so Alicia Tompkins and her family, their daughter had leukemia. We moved here to plant a church. We were here like six months. And all of a sudden, just boom, her daughter goes in because she's got sore legs. And why are her legs sore? And goes in, she has a fever. Next thing you know, they're in a three-year battle with leukemia and bone marrow transplants and all those kinds of things. A bad thing. Okay, but if you know their story deeper and you know Alicia, she spent three years ministering to moms and to kids and to families in the cancer ward at the hospital, at Dell Hospital. Praying for people, going on walks with Ellie, ministering to people. She was literally a medical missionary for three years. And so God took something that was bad and he used it for something good. And guess what? Both Alicia and Ellie are still here to tell the story. And God saved them and brought them through it. But there's three years of blessing to people that were suffering that wouldn't have happened had that not started and they gone through that. And so even that, God can use for good. So it's us sometimes slowing down and saying, oh, hey, this is about to, something good's about to happen. Instead of the expectation, oh, something bad's about to happen. And if we have that antenna up and that awareness up, then God can use us. But if our antenna is up all the time saying, oh, something's going bad, something's wrong's gonna happen, then that's what, that, that's what we start to just view everything. We don't hear God's voice. One thing that he said was out of the abundance of the heart. Uh, he, he said out of his heart, he's storing up, reading scripture, praying, thinking on these things. And then when he goes out, God uses it. Well, the Bible tells us out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what he's telling you is that I'm storing this up privately so that when I go out, it starts to come out. But some of us, we store up the negative, And when we go out, we are having appointments. We are sharing something. Like, well, I would never share anything with anybody. Oh, yeah, we will. Because the heart will speak. We just share about how mad we are about politics or gas prices or how mad we are about this thing or that thing or groceries or like there's something we're mad about. It comes out. 
He's saying if you spend the time praying, focusing on Jesus, having some of that time, that stores up and then that ends up being what comes out. Uh, one of your stories uh, that's in the book is about uh, an elderly lady at a bank. You overheard her. Uh, well, first you tried to harass her for a while and wouldn't leave her alone. And then you overheard her having a problem with the teller. Uh, and this is what he does. He harasses me. I got shot when I was 16 through the stomach and out the back. And I spent the next, like, three years of my life everywhere I went. Restaurant, store, anything. My dad make me pull my shirt up and show him your belly. And I'm like, I'm just trying to be here. Show him your belly. Show him your scars. Show him how God saved you. This is what he does. Is he put, makes people uncomfortable sometimes. You don't have to do that. God can use your own personality and your own gift. But share about the lady at the bank. <laughs> um. I call this, this story just a flute. It was at Christmas time, and I was in a bank, and there was a bunch of people, and there was a lady in front of me. She said she was 81. I, I pried her age out of her. I was joking with her. And uh, we kept kind of picking back and forth, and when she went up to the teller, I noticed her voice was kind of crackly, and she, um, so I kind of got a big ear snooping in on her. <laughs> And uh, she was telling the teller that her granddaughter that was 11 wanted uh, a flute um, for Christmas because um, she wanted to play in the flute in the school with her friends and learn how to play the flute. And I kept listening to her, and, and she was just so upset. Her son was an alcoholic, and the wife was an alcoholic, and the kids weren't going to have much of a Christmas, and just you could just hear the whole story. Well, as I was standing there, the Lord spoke to me and said that uh, you're to buy her a flute as a gift um, to give her for her granddaughter. So I went up and I tapped her on the shoulder and she turned around and she says, you again? And I said, I come in peace. <laughs> and I knew the teller, she started laughing. And, and I said, today is a good day for you. You get a flute for your granddaughter. She goes, excuse me? I said, you go stand over by the door. I'll be there in a minute. I'll talk to you. Well, I went over and talked to her and told her I got her number and told her I was going to get her a flute and another little present for the boy, uh, my wife and I. And after taking her number, I called my wife and I said, I, I need to buy a flute for this lady at the bank and tell her a story. She goes, do you know they cost like $1,000? That's where they start at. And I said, oops. Hey, <laughs> where's that come from? And uh, so my wife called her niece up in Seattle and talked to her, and she happened to know of a music store, person owned a music store, and he had one for $400. And so they, my wife drove up and met her, and they went and got it, and they paid the $400. Well, they stopped at McDonald's with the kids to get them something to eat, and they took the flute out, and they started playing with it, and it just wasn't working right. And so they went back to the store, and went in and, and they had told the uh, musical store what this was all for, um, uh, for the girl in, in, uh, back in Portland. And uh, he looked at it and he went over and took an $1,170 flute out of the case and cut the price tag off and came back over and said, we'll give this one to her. And so she got a brand new one. So my wife called me just crying, you won't believe it, miracle. You know, she did all that. So the 20th, second of that year, December, we went and met her, and then we bought a, a gift for the boy, and we were sitting at her table, 
and I told her the story. I like to bring people into the story, uh, how it got there. I like to show them how God does this for people and get them involved in it. And uh, so I explained to her all the whole series and this and that and the other. And when she opened it, man, she just started sobbing. She was so pretty, and she couldn't believe it, how God gave her a better one, and she was all excited. And I said, you know, I said, you ever been to church? And she said, well, when I was seven or eight years old, and she pointed to a little teeny blue paperback book on a bookshelf, and she said, that was my book in Sunday school, but it's been 73 years or something since I've been there. And I said, well, how would you like to know that your name's written in God's Lamb's Book of Life. She goes, really? I said, really? And so it was a great story. We prayed with her, and boy, she was all excited, and we were excited, and, and it's just another one of those things. And I found, you know, when you give out for the Lord, sometimes it's like you spend the money. You know, you think, how am I going to get it back? But I can tell you, God always gives it back, and he always blesses it more. It really does. Um, so th those are a couple of uh, stories, and people at the end they're like, "Oh man, I want to, I want to know, I want to know the Lord." And you're able to pray with them, lead them to the Lord. And so, is that happen every time? I mean, is that the goal? So the goal is um, that we got to share. Like God's put you on my heart to love you. It's okay, I loved you. Let's see, I got. Uh, See, we've been about five minutes at this now of loving you. Now I got to slide in. I got to get the Roman road in. I got to get you saved. And I got to get you plugged into a local church where I didn't do my job. Because I got to close this deal. And I got to do it. Does it work like that every time? Or sometimes are you just uh, playing a piece and loving on somebody? Uh, or is it just always uh, Bob the Closer? It's rarely Bob the Closer. <laughs> sometimes I get to close the deal. Um, I don't look at closing the deal as success. That is success. It makes me happy. It feels good, and it's exciting. I look more at loving the people and everyone um, and planting a seed at the best I can in the time that I have with them. Um, so my goal, of course, is to lead somebody to the Lord. That's the ultimate. Um, but because I deal with all different people and all different church, religion, everything, and non-church, uh, uh, gang kids, anybody. I just, I love everybody. So um, I don't look at it as closing. I look at it as friend. I want to be their friend. I really want to be their friend and love them. And, uh, and I don't have to close the deal, but when I open up and be their friend, um, and they really know that I'm friend, and I really do love them, and I and I'm not so concerned about everything they do perfect. So I, I, no, I don't do that. I, I look at it like Jesus did. Jesus loved them for who they are, and then tried to teach them to serve Him in love and righteousness. And so I look at it that way. And sometimes it takes a long time to get to actually open up and talk to somebody about the Lord. You have to be sensitive to that. Sometimes, whatever they're going through in their life. But if you don't focus on the victory, and you focus on what you can't see by faith, then you just plant the seed, and then you move on and let the Lord do that. We don't have to choke them down to the altar. Bring them in with love. Yeah. Um, you said sometimes it takes a while. 
Um, so this isn't one that we talked about talking about, but um, I grew up, I had a, an uncle uh, that was Uncle Bob. <laughs> and uh, so he's an uncle that's not an uncle, uh, but he was wild. And he was <laughs> about five foot two, probably weighed 260. He's a little round ball of a man with big white hair, white beard, white mustache, the whole thing. That's what. And uh, his hair had turned white because when he was 25, he saw his brother. He found his brother uh, mm-hmm. in his garage and killed himself. And it caused him a miniature stroke and turned his hair white and caused all these problems. Anyways, he wasn't always all there. But uh, I'm going to tell you two fast things. I'm going to get back to you. But <laughs> this is therapy for me. Uh, he would leave me in this guy's hands as a babysitter and uh, explains a lot about my life, but this was my babysitter, my Uncle Bob. And uh, he thought he knew karate because he watched karate shows. Uh, so he legit thought he was a black belt just because he had watched uh, the Bruce Lee's, Chuck Norris's and stuff like that. He's a little wild. He worked for my dad 25 years. He was our 38 uncle. years. 30 Excuse years. Me, 38. Let's not short him on that. Um, 30 years. And uh, spent all this time. 38? 38. Not, yeah, he's got some seniority. <laughs> he was with you longer than I've been. That's a long time. <laughs> So all this time, and this guy, I watched him my whole life. My dad fired him about once a year, legit fired him, then brought him back. And because um, he would just do crazy stuff because he wasn't all there. But, and he had a really bad attitude most of the time. And I just said, but my dad always said, but God's called me to walk with this guy. He's called me to love him. And I'm supposed to love him, and I'm supposed to walk this guy to heaven. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, don't look like he's getting very far because <laughs> he ain't very, even very nice. But one day, I walk into uh, a church, thinks there's a funeral or something going on, and I hadn't seen him for years. And uh, I walk in, and I had known this guy. He always walked around with his head down, his chin, his chin in his chest, and he only looked at you through his eyebrows. He never looked up. It's like this. He always looked at you like this, and he always talked low, and he always mumbled. And just like a cartoon character. And negative. So negative. And I walk into this place and I look up and this guy is I'm sitting in a I walk in I sit down on a chair and I'm sitting there hanging out with somebody and this guy comes walking at me looking like this smiling a huge smile walking towards me and he's walking over hey Andy hey there and I look at him and I'm like trying I'm literally literally trying to place who he is and I'm look who 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 and as he gets closer I'm realizing this is Bob this is my uncle Bob and uh, we called him Shaolin because he thought he knew karate. I'm like, this is Shaolin. And he walks up, totally different personality, totally different attitude, positive. He's talking about God and about God's love. And, man, God loves us and all these things. And I'm looking, I'm like, what happened to you? And it turned out to be that in all of this 30 years of 35, you know, it's 38, but the last several years he, was, he knew the Lord. For all that time, one day, he actually just said, you know, I'm giving my life to the Lord. And God literally came in and took all of this mm-hmm. past baggage off of his heart and off his life. And it literally, his whole account, his whole body just lifted up. And he just became a different person over all these years. But that was a lot of years that you guys years. walked that out. A lot of years. What would you say to somebody that has um, been loving on somebody and God's been making divine appointments. They've been connecting with somebody, but they don't see progress. They don't see change. They don't see anything. They're just like, you know what, that person's not worth worth me spending any time with and continuing to try to love on or to care for. Uh, how did you keep that going for so many years? Um, you know, when Bob came into my life, 
after he had the stroke. I could see he had his dad and his dad, his sister, and his brother all died one year. They had a rough year. And, uh, you know, the compassion that the Lord gives us is that, you know, you just have to apply that. I was told so many times by counseling to fire him and let him go because he cost me so much money doing things. But he had a good heart, and he needed somebody as a friend because he's one of those ones you just really couldn't talk to. Very inverted in and grumpy, so he sounds like he's mad all the time. But I always think back, um, he passed here a while back, and I always think back. I don't think in 38 years he missed one day of work. If he did, I don't remember. He, we were sick. He was there. I was sick. I was there. And he always walked with me, and and I would keep preaching to him and keep talking to him. And he'd, he'd have, like, breakdowns. His mom was an alcoholic, and she was always telling him how he was a loser. And I'd have to, he'd have a nervous, I don't even know what you call it. We'd be in a restaurant or something, and she'd tell him he was worthless. And he'd be on a payphone and slamming the payphone and screaming and hollering. And I'd have to go and put my arms around him and hug him and say, it's okay, it's okay, Bob. We'll take care of it. And uh, so I guess I just kept walking with him, and one day he gave his heart to the Lord, and and uh, we just became really good friends. And I had to look past some of the goofy things he did, because man, did he do goofy! You know, and uh, but uh, it, you know, when he passed, I found him, and. Um, he uh, just just constant. I look back all the time now, and I think, man, I was really blessed. Now, a lot of people wouldn't have been blessed, believe me, with him around, because he did a lot of really hard things to repair and fix on people's things that we did as contractors. But it was so neat, even though I found him like I did, but I was able, it was just, I don't know, so excited. He's in heaven now. He's all repaired and all fixed, and it's just, it was worth it. It was worth the walk. I'd do it again. Because that's just, I love him, and I know that Jesus loved him. Yeah, I want to um, finish on this story of um, KFC and going to get coleslaw for mom. All right. Do this one quick. So, my wife liked KFC coleslaw, and that was like a big, she liked that a lot. So I told her on Tuesday night that I would stop and get it for her. Well, I worked late, and I went right by KFC, and they were closed. And she was counting on it. I was so discouraged, and I got home. and said, I'm so sorry. Because she came to the door expecting it, and I said, I'm really sorry. I missed it. It was late. And, and she said, that's okay. Well, the next night, I made sure I stopped while I was getting that KFC. Well, I went in, and when I got inside, I asked him how for the coleslaw. And I asked him how much uh, a small Pepsi would be. And it was like two twenty nine, and it was this big. And so she sat on the counter, and there was a guy standing next to me. He looked at it and goes, two twenty nine, And he just started giving her all kinds of stuff about that. That's too expensive. So she gets a large one and sets it down. She goes, here, just take this one. <laughs> I laughed at the guy. He says, hey, you see that? So we got a large one. Well, I got the coleslaw, and he went this way to his car, and I went this way. And I said something to him, and 
The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to go talk to him. He needs a friend. And I walked over and said, hey, I said, do you need a friend? You know, I don't know, said you need a friend. He goes, yeah, I really need a friend. I go, oh, what's going on? He says, my mom passed three weeks ago, and I'm just devastated. And I said, I'm really sorry. I said, I can pray with you. And I said, do you, uh, um, I said, do you know the Lord? He said, no. He said, uh, I don't know the Lord, but he said at the funeral service, um, I read, they read the scripture and stuff, and he said, I'm going to get there. I'm going to know the Lord. I'm going to give my heart to the Lord. He said, I got a little bit more work to do. I said, what do you mean work? What do you, what do you mean? He said, no, he says, I'm just not quite there yet. He says, I know the Lord just ain't ready to take me yet. I got a lot of things I got to repair. I said, really? I said, uh, I don't, that's not quite how it works. And he says, what do you mean? I said, well, I said, I'll tell you a story. I said, when Jesus was on the cross, one of the, one of the uh, people next to him, thieves, acknowledged that he was who he was. And I said, Jesus looked and said, tough before the Lord's kingdom or paradise. And I said, now, did he get off and do a bunch of good stuff before the Lord took him? He said, Man, I never looked at it that way. He said, he didn't do anything, did he? I said, no. I said, man, I said, today's the day. And he said, I can't believe it. Tears start coming down his eyes, you know. So again, I got to pray with him. And, uh, but out on the way home afterwards, I was kind of thinking, man. But, you know, it's like I missed the point. I missed getting the KFC, but then I was frustrated. But then the Lord brought back to me the timing that wasn't the night for KFC. It was the next night. Now, you can say it lined up that way, or, you know. But to me, I believe that's how God works. It just kind of puts us where he wants us. Yeah. Yeah, I believe that God is always trying to give us an open door and an open opportunity. And oftentimes, we're just too busy mm-hmm. to hear it. We're too busy to see it, too busy to, to look. Or we're too afraid that, oh, I don't know what to do and how they're going to respond. I, and there's a lot of times that people, you know, you can say, hey, you know, could I uh, tell you a story? Or, hey, you know, do you need a friend? I've actually ended up with a guy um, in Bend, Oregon that came into one of our stores that uh, had all kinds of issues going on. And I actually thought he was there to steal something because he was in the store so long. And so I was getting ready to throw him out. And the Lord just said real clear to me, he says, he's not here to steal. He needs a friend. And I just felt the Lord put that on my heart. Like, he needs a friend. And I'm like, well, it won't be me because he looks like a thief. And he's trying to be here for three hours at my store for no reason. And the Lord just kept saying, he needs a friend, he needs a friend. And I went over and talked to him. And I said the same thing because I didn't know what to say. I just said, hey, do you need a friend? And he's like, hey, let's go snowshoeing. I don't snowshoe, so that still never happened. Um, but we did some other stuff that was, that was awesome. He ended up, over the course of a couple years, giving his life to the Lord. He ended up, I ended up doing his wedding. Um, he's one of my great friends now, even though I live in a different state. We still talk. We still communicate. And it just came through just, uh, God speaks just real simple things. He mm-hmm. might say, hey, buy that person's coffee. Hey, go uh, tell that person hi. Hey, go pray for that person. Mm-hmm. Hey, just make a little connection. He doesn't say, hey, go preach that person a sermon. Right. He says, hey, buy them a flute. Right. Hey, ask them a question. Hey, go show them some care. And when we just are willing to do that much, just to go show some care and just open a conversation, God begins to do the rest if we just open mm-hmm. ourselves. And so I think every person in here, God could give an opportunity to do that. And what we're going to do, I got people out here with some books. Uh, if you guys want to grab those, 
Um, we're just going to pass these out. This is a book. Uh, every chapter is a divine appointment uh, that my dad wrote. And in, their, in the books, just pass them. Everybody can get one. Make sure everybody... Uh, we want one to at least go to every household. If you want to share a book, that's fine. If you I'll want your own it. book, you can do that. I'll sign it. Uh, if you want my dad to sign it, he can. But the point of the book is this. Just take maybe the next few weeks and just read a chapter a day and just ask the Lord, say, God, would you give me an opportunity to love on someone, care for someone, share with someone? And inside of those books, I put two Hope Lives cards in every book. And all those cards are, if you scan the back, it just takes you to video testimonials of people that have uh, had God touch their lives. And you can say, Lord, I don't even know how to do this, but if I could even just give out these two cards over the next month, mm-hmm. or if I could have a conversation, or if I could buy somebody's coffee and, and see where you take that, I could love on somebody in some way, that God could open a door for you to actually have your own opportunity to actually minister to somebody with him. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to have gone to Bible college. You don't have to have some special qualification. You already know the Lord. Mm-hmm. And God is in your life. You could still have things that you need to clean up. You're like, well, I still got a long ways to go. I'm still messed up. I still got to fix things. I still got to. Peter was one of Jesus' disciples and he followed him, but Peter still denied Jesus later mm-hmm. when he was at the cross. Peter wasn't there yet. And yet God was using him. God can use you even right now mm-hmm. as you are. Now, you want to say something to close yeah. this up and then we'll pray? Can I have one more story yeah. really fast? I really feel like the Lord said to do this. I get visions that the Lord gives me little visions. And one of the visions he gave me, and this will help you in evangelism, I really believe. The Lord showed me a little plastic toy for kids. And there's a pear hole, star hole, banana hole, and all these different holes. The, the idea is for the child to pick up the star and put it in the star hole, and it won't fit in the banana hole. So you have to match the hole. And I was asking the Lord, I said, what's that? And then he showed me this board that went that way, that way. You couldn't even see the end of it. I said, man, alive, what is that? And the Lord said, that's my board of mankind. Everybody born has a hole that they fit through that nobody else can go through. That's their hole to eternity through my son, Jesus. Everybody. I'm not talking about a certain body. I'm talking everybody has a predestined hole that they get to go to heaven through if they accept God's plan through his son, Jesus. That's the only way. And so when I saw that, and I said, well, why are you showing me that? The Lord said, when you love and you talk to people, you talk and you love to everyone the same. Okay, that doesn't mean that you don't talk, you know, you talk to a guy over here in the ditch and the guy over here is doing good. You don't talk different. You love them the same. Jesus died for everyone, okay? We have to get the stereotype and what, I don't even ask people when I evangelize and talk to people, I very rarely do I know what church they go to or religion they are. I never, that's not a starting point for me. My starting point is loving them. I want to know them. Then you can get all that later on, okay? But the starting point is not, that's not what's important to me. What's important to me is the door to eternity, to heaven, and getting them on tune with Jesus. And that's, remember that when you're talking to people, it helps you because you're not trying to get up. If I ask you what church you go to, and I'm stuck that one church is better than the other, as soon as you say I'm from a different church, you got a wall there. It starts. You got a crust starting. Get rid of all that, okay? Jesus loves everybody. All. He died for all. That's how it works, okay? Remember that, okay?
Amen. So we're going we're gonna to close up. This is what we're going to do is uh, we agreed that every Sunday we're going to take a little bit of time to pray. And this isn't going to be long. Um, but what I want to do, we're going to huddle up. And then as soon as you're done praying, you can just leave, go over and get some snacks or go home, uh, go get your kids. But huddle up for a minute. Look around. Make sure nobody's left by themselves. And this is what I want us to pray together, to just sincerely take a minute, pray together, and just say, Lord, I'm available. I don't know how I would have an opportunity to pray for somebody or talk to somebody or love on somebody or share with somebody, but I'm available. And I want, to be, I want you to be able to use me. And just make yourself mm-hmm. available and ask God that he would work in your life that way, okay? So we're, on the count of three, we're just going to split up. Look for somebody around you. Make sure nobody's left alone. Two minutes, three minutes. We're not talking about some big, long prayer meeting. God doesn't need that. But just take hands with somebody next to you. And just say, Lord, use me to touch somebody's life. This month, I want to be used that way. And let's see what God will do through each mm-hmm. of us if we get the opportunity. Amen. All right, find somebody to pray with, and then you guys have a great week. Thank you for being here. We love you guys. Take the next step and visit www.thebeatchurch.com and get connected with a community committed to applying these truths in their everyday lives. You can also give now to support our messages by visiting www.thebeatchurch.com give.